chapter 12, verse 14. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Father, we come this morning and we bow our hearts before you. We've come to worship our great and holy God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the cry of our heart should be, sirs, we would see Jesus. And the scripture is clear, well, without holiness, no man can see the Lord. And more than anything else, Lord, I want to see you and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You can be seated. I uh, I need to put a disclaimer out this morning before we lose sight. Jesus Christ said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So I want you to realize that overall, around our world, the church is doing great. The church will never, ever be defeated. But I must confess, I'm concerned about what's going on in a lot of the churches in America today. I think a lot of churches have lost their way. We've been preaching now for several weeks on this topic of holiness. And today, especially in our culture, many churches completely overlook that topic. And I think there's a danger there. I know there's a danger there. Because the Bible says again in verse 14, Hebrews 12, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We've heard a lot over the last decade now about seeker-friendly churches. I read my Bible. Paul tells in Romans chapter 3. I don't have the verse, by the way, on on my notes. It just came to my thought this morning. Paul said, there's none that understands. There's no one who seeks the Lord. And I believe that we need to get back to preaching God's Word. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Allowing the Spirit of God to do His work in the hearts of men and women. That they might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I think it's detrimental today in the churches in America, in most churches, a lot of churches. I should maybe say most, but a, a lot of churches. Not only do they not preach holiness. We don't see a lot of holy living going on. It's not being preached and it's not being taught. Now I mentioned this I think several weeks ago when we began this part of our series, Holy Before the Lord. God is serious about this. 
He is absolutely serious about holiness. And if we are going to see the Lord, it has to be a priority in our lives. And I am convinced that holiness begins with personal holiness. Whether we're here at church on Sunday morning or at home in our study or on the job in the marketplace. We need to be living holy lives before the Lord. And again, let me remind you, God is very serious. He said, without that, we will never see the Lord. I spent a couple of weeks addressing preachers. And by the way, I believe the man of God needs to be holy before the Lord. I believe that I'm accountable. My integrity matters. And there's not a day goes by I don't ask God for strength and help in that. And I, I spoke about preachers. And I believe that God has called his men, and I did say men, to preach the word, not to talk about social issues, not to talk about politics all the time, but to preach his word. He told Timothy, Paul did, to be in, to in season and out of season to preach the word of God. So we began a week or so ago looking at some of the needs the church has. And I believe that children of God, if you're born again, we have an obligation to be holy before the Lord. And I told you early on, when we took this part of the series, that verse in Hebrews 12, verse 14, it's not a promise verse, it's a verse of obligation. We are obligated, because of who we are, Christians, to be holy before the Lord. I want to go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 today, just one verse, and part of verse 16. And we see that God gives a command. Because it is written, be ye holy. Why? Because I am holy. Now, I don't need to remind you, I'm going to anyway, but this is a command. It's not just a good idea. It's not a suggestion. We are commanded by God to be holy before the Lord. How many are glad you're saved today? Somebody say amen. And if you're born again, God has set you apart. And because we are born again, because God has set us apart, we are to live separate from and we're to live different from the world. Amen. And I want to remind you, folks, God's Word is always contemporary. It's never old. It's never outdated. What was true 2,000 years ago is true now. It'll be true tomorrow as well. And I find it kind of interesting. We know that God is holy, holy, holy. We know that God has absolute moral purity of character, and because of that, he is set apart from everything else, every other living creature, and yet that same God who is holy, 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 calls and commands you and I to be holy people as well. God wants us to live holy lives. And by the way, he's also our model. Amen? Don't compare yourself to me or anyone else Compare it to God. He is our model for our lives. And so we're to live our life every day in response to God's holiness. He is, without a doubt, the supreme example. But thank the Lord we have help. We have the Holy Spirit. 
He lives in us. He abides in us. The day you got saved, God gave you the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you. And the Spirit of God reveals things about Christ to us, about God. The gospel reveals the truth about Christ. And the Spirit of God works within us. And He transforms us morally that we can understand and apply the gospel to our lives. But the important point here this morning is we must yield to the work of the Holy Spirit within our Life and never ever forget how vital holiness is in our life. Without it, we will never see the Lord. When we began this series several months ago, we talked about some of the things going on outside our world. And I want to tell you, our world's lost its mind. I am so sick of this wokeness. I am sick of this nonsense they're pushing down our throat. And I want to tell you, it's not godly. It is, it's not, it is, it is direct from the pit of hell. And Satan is trying to work and work and work. And I want to tell you, folks, God's word stays true. But I know what's going on outside the church. But what breaks my heart, there are too many people who claim to be Christians who are living in active, willful sin today. Now, through the years, as I've been pastoring, and even when I was a deacon at our church, some of the saddest words I heard people say, Preacher, I know what the Bible says, but my heart sinks. I know what the Bible says, but. How many knows there are no buts when it comes to what God's Word says? God's Word is true. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of Christians are rationalizing. I know what God says, I know what the Bible says, but. And they're living in willful, active sin. And I want to tell you folks, that needs to stop. We need to stop that. If it's true in my life, I need to stop it. If it's true in your life, you need to stop it. Now, I mentioned this last week. I'm not talking about a slip of the tongue. I'm not talking about a a small oversight in our lives. I am talking about the things that we are doing in our lives that God clearly says it is wrong. Now, by the way, I expect the unsaved to live in rebellion against God's Word. But that should not be named among God's people. We need to be obedient to the Word of God. And too many people within the church, nationwide, are living in rebellion to the clear teaching of the Word of God. And the reason is, they are not yielding to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of them. Now, by the way, let me throw you a little caveat here. If you find it comfortable living and rebelling against God's word, I would check your salvation. Somebody needs to say amen. Now think about that. One of the things the Spirit of God does, He lives in you, He'll bring conviction to our hearts. Now last week we began to looking at some sexual sins. And I'm not going to go into the detail of that to, uh, like we did last week. But let me remind you a couple of things here. If you are a Christian, Christians have no business being involved in adultery. 
There's no excuse for it. If you are a Christian, Christians have no business living together as though you were married when you are not. If you are a Christian, you have no business being involved in pornography. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and said this, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. Don't even let these things be named among you. It is rebellion against God. The Bible says there should be no hint of these things. No hint found in the church because these things are not proper for God's holy people. And if we're a child of God, we should not walk in those ways, but we need to exhibit God's attributes in my life, in our lives, and one of them is holiness. And those kind of activities that we just talked about last week, they are the opposite of what God wants for His people. And they are never right, no matter how much we rationalize. I want to move on to another sexual sin that a lot of churches are embracing today, and that's the sin of homosexuality. Some would tell you today, they would argue that we can no longer, we can no more control being a homosexual than we can control the color of our skin and uh, how tall we are. But I want to tell you this morning, folks, that Bible is clear and consistently clear and declares homosexuality. Well, let me go back. Homosexual activity is a sin. It is a sin. I'm not going to read it today. It's a little too lengthy to read and our time is short. But everybody knows the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's one of the main reasons God destroyed those cities. In Leviticus 18, verse 22, let's take some verses. Thou shalt not lie with mankind... As with womankind, it is what? An abomination. Leviticus 20, verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, and they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their heir, which was due. Let me pause right here. We'll come back to Romans 1 in a few minutes here. But I want to tell you something, folks. 
It's a sad day when God gives us up. God gave them up to their vile passions. He called them vile passions. He called, said they left a natural use. They burned in their lust. They were doing things that were shameful. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. For neither fornication, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, <clears throat> for those who strike their fathers and their mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Let's consider what the Bible speaks about here. Now, first of all, and we'll talk more about this in a moment, Understand, God hates all sin. Amen? And in, in Romans chapter 1, we read a few verses a moment ago from there, Paul had finished describing in sort of general terms what happens to people who fail to acknowledge God's law as their standard of behavior. What they do is they turn from their maker and they worship what's been made, and sometimes they worship themselves. And folks, we're living that era today. And there have always been those, always been those who are willing to believe that human desires are just self-regulating. They don't believe that any action they could do that they would enjoy Could be wrong. And the attitude is if it feels good, do it. Some years ago, I haven't heard it for quite a few years. One of the burger chains that have it what? Your way. And that's been our mentality. And so people believe that you wouldn't really desire something if it wasn't good for you. How many of us are lie of the devil? And somehow the fact is, everybody has violated that principle and it escapes him. And what they're doing is, you know, they're saying, you know, surely. If I want to do it, it's got to be good for me. And I know that they have to understand something here. Because what they're doing is they're trying to make exception for whatever they're doing. And we can't forget what the Bible says, that all have sinned. All of us have sinned. Whenever the wants that we have, when they become our ruler and our desires become our authority, it won't be long, we'll become a slave to the next thing that appeals to us.
because we've forgotten God. And whenever people, I don't care who they are, whenever we refuse God and His standards, then we are left to ourselves as our own gods, and nothing will stop us from fulfilling our own passions. And I want to tell you, folks, I learned a long time ago, I don't trust myself. I want to trust God. Now, please understand, God had a plan for natural sexual relationships. And it is ideal for His creation. And it's foolish for people to say, and you hear it all the time, It's okay to do whatever you want to do as long as nobody gets hurt. And I realize that homosexuality is considered acceptable in many parts of our world today. But what breaks my heart even in some churches. Can I give you a good principle here this morning, folks? Society does not set the standard for God's law. Society does not set the standard for God's law. And I realize that many homosexuals would say to us, and they believe that their desires are normal. God says it's not. And because they believe it's normal, they have the right to express them. But how many know that God does not obligate, nor does he encourage us to fulfill all of our desires, even if they are normal? They might be there, and they will be there, but God never says you have to fulfill those desires. And I want you to make sure we understand this. Any desire that violates the law of God has to be controlled. It must be controlled. And you say, well, preacher, how? How can that be? I've got good news. God offers freedom from those desires, from those sins, through Jesus Christ. And power to control those desires through the Holy Spirit who lives in our lives. I think it's important when we consider the sin of homosexuality that we make a difference between homosexual behavior and homosexual inclinations. The difference between an active sin and a passive condition of being tempted. Anybody here never been tempted since you've been saved with anything? We all have. We all have. And again, whether it's adultery, homosexuality, pornography, anything we talked about, all those things, those being involved in activity of those things are sinful. Homosexual behavior is sinful. 
But the Bible never says it's a sin to be tempted. Now that struggle, that struggle with temptation, it might lead to sin, but the struggle itself is not sin. Now we read from Romans chapter 1 a few minutes ago. And without a doubt, the Bible is clear. Homosexuality is a result of denying and disobeying the Word of God. Hands down. And when people continue in their sin, when people continue in their rebellion, when they continue in their unbelief, God is going to give them over, give them up, to even become more wicked than they were before and more depraved to sin because God is showing the futility and hopelessness of life apart from God. Folks, only God can bring fulfillment in our lives, nothing else. And one of the fruits, and there are many, but just one of them, of rebellion against God is homosexuality. We read in 1 Corinthians 6 9 a moment ago, and it's clear, and hear me well, if you trust God's Word, Romans 6 9 tells us that those who practice homosexuality transgress God's created order, and they are not saved. They are not saved. Let me remind you, I don't want you to raise your hand. Anybody ever told a lie here? Yeah. We never gossip, do we? That was sarcastic, wasn't it? So yes, we've all sinned. And God hates sin. And God doesn't hate one sin more than another. He hates all sin. And we have to understand something. We all have certain tendencies in our lives. Some are born with a tendency to, to violence. Some are born with a tendency to other sins. We all have issues we're dealing with. And certainly there are some probably born with a greater susceptibility to homosexuality. But that, that does not, no matter what sin it may be in Homosexuality is only one of many of them, and there are a, list of, a litany of others. That does not excuse us, whatever it may be, to choose to sin by giving in to those sinful desires. I uh, also get upset when I hear somebody say, well, you know, uh, I had this uh, discussion and I just couldn't help myself. I had to give them peace of my mind. When we can't help ourselves, we need to run to God. No matter what that tendency is, no matter what that susceptibility is, could be rage, could be anything, but whatever it is, it doesn't give us the right to give in to those desires. It doesn't give me the right to explode at every turn of the hand. And the same is true with any sin, including homosexuality. But also understand this. 
no matter what our tendencies might be, no matter what our attractions might be, we cannot continue to identify ourselves with the very sins that crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave his life that we might set free from those sins. And we cannot live our lives that way. At the same time, assume we are right with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Paul lists many of the sins that the church at Corinth once practiced. And of course, homosexuality is on the list. Look, look what it says. Paul says, such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, by the way, I would encourage you to read the previous verses. Even though homosexuality is one of those sins, it's not the only one. There are many. And Paul says, there were some of you who were before you were saved. Amen. You lived homosexual lifestyles. But Paul reminds us here in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11, there is no sin. There is no sin too great for the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. Amen. No sin too great for the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. And here's what's interesting. Paul said, some of you were. You were. And go read the list. Understand, once we are cleansed, we are no longer defined by our sin. Amen. Jesus Christ washed our sins away. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, what's the problem? What's the problem with homosexual attraction? The problem is, it's an attraction to something that God forbids. God has forbidden it, and any desire that is sinful will ultimately have its roots in sin. And if we don't run to God, no matter what our tendencies might be, we're going to be caught up in sin. Now, the problem is this, folks. The, perva- the, the problem is the perza- pervasive nature of sin. It causes us to see the world around us with a warped perspective. Now, I wear contact lenses I've had for a lot of years. And uh, a long time. But every once in a while, I don't take them out and rejuvenate them. And I clean them every day. But even then, after a few months, I'm going to put some stuff in there. Because I can put them in and I can see, but they're kind of swirling around a little bit. A warped vision, if you will. And because of our sin nature, because of the way we see the world and our actions through that world perspective, it affects our thoughts, it affects our desires. All of that is affected. But here's the thing. Whether it's homosexual or any other sin, no matter what we're attracted to, 
It does not have to lead to active sin. With God's help, we can overcome. But please understand, if it goes that direction and that far, it always starts out from the sinful nature. All have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. And I want to tell you folks, and hear me well, same-sex attraction is always on some basic level an expression of our fallen nature. It is not God's ideal. Because we are simple human beings living in a simple world, we are plagued with weakness, we are plagued with temptation, we are being enticed to sin every day of our lives. And I want to tell you, folks, everywhere you look in our world, there's bait hanging out there. Isn't it true? It's filled with lures, entanglements, including the enticement to practice homosexuality. And from what I'm told, the temptation to engage in homosexual behavior is very real to many. Those who suffer with that struggle, those who struggle with homosexual Attraction often tell of suffering through years of wishing things were different. How many know probably the most difficult thing for us to control is how we feel? Isn't that true? And I've said it before, dumb thing to say, you shouldn't feel that way. Amen. But it's hard to control. And yes, people may not always be able to control how or what they feel. But they can control what you do with those feelings through the power of the Holy Spirit. First Peter has some good advice, verse 5 through 8. Who by God's power, that's Christians now, are being guarded, notice that word guarded, through faith. For a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy inexpressible and filled with glory. Now I realize Peter's talking about some difficult times that was going on to those who were Spread because of the diaspora, my persecution. But how many know the temptations of struggle in everybody's life? How many know that God is with us? He's with you. And no matter what your temptation might be, no matter what your inclination might be to homosexuality or any other sin, Paul, Peter reminds us we are protected by God. We are guarded through faith in God. 
And because God is walking with us, because the Spirit of God is within us, we all have the responsibility to resist temptation. Amen. I, uh, I know you may not can tell it, but I love to eat. I know it don't show. But, I don't know, ten years ago I heard on the radio, scientists have come up with a way to make food test, taste better. I said, don't do that. I'm having trouble now. And the month of November, I mentioned in Sunday school, had been set aside by our National Association for a month of fasting and prayer. And uh, now I'm not going all day without eating. But I never, I never realized how much you think about food when you're not eating it. Isn't that true? But that's how sin works. Now, I'm not saying it simply. I don't mean that. But I've determined, I've made a commitment to God, I want to do this, this month. I want to honor you, Lord, and, and you do what you want to do. But I'm, I'm just telling you here, I've got to resist that. But I can resist any sin in my life. It doesn't matter what it is. I've got a responsibility. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. That's why we've got to take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now, so we've got to take the whole armor of God. But we also have to have our minds renewed and transformed, Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, notice this, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My heart goes out to those who have been taught that there comes a time in your life you will reach a point in your life you are so sanctified you will live above sin. Folks, that is not true. As long as we're in this flesh, we're going to have desires. And not all are bad. Some are good. But if the desire to do anything evil, we have got to resist that temptation. We've got to have our minds renewed. We're going to be transformed by the power of God. But also, if we're not going to give in, if we're not going to gratify those desires of the flesh, and folks, they're pulling in my life, they're pulling in your life. If we're going to, if we're going to overcome those, we have to walk by the Spirit. Romans 5.16. Paul says, this I say then. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. Let me leave you with a couple of thoughts this morning. I know that homosexuality is a result of the depravity of man. But how many know all sins are a result of that? Amen. And I realize that God says that homosexuality is an abomination before God. I want to suggest to you this morning that all sin is an abomination before God. And so I don't believe the Bible describes homosexuality as a greater sin than any other. Because church, we need to realize all sin is offensive to God. And needs to be dealt with. 
Because it doesn't matter. Whatever type of sin someone is entangled up in, without Jesus Christ, we have no hope. Without Christ, we are lost. And I want to tell you something about our topic today. It is wrong to be involved in all the things we listed so far. Adultery. Pornography. Living together before marriage. Homosexuality. But the Bible tells me that God's forgiveness is available for every sin. God's forgiveness is available for homosexuality. It's available for the homosexual as it is for the adulterer. His forgiveness is available for the idol worshiper, the murderer, the liar, the thief. And the list goes on and on. And the great news is no matter what our inclinations are, God promises the strength for victory over sin, including homosexuality, to all who will trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. Good news, there's help for sinners. And I'm one of them. There is help for sinners. And a person who has homosexual desires can and they must resist acting on them. And I realize we're not all tempted the same way. But no matter what our temptation is, we've got to recognize it and we've got to defeat that temptation. We have to depend upon God's help. How many know Jesus knows what you're going through? He was tempted in every part as we are, yet he was without sin. Avoid places, avoid activities that you know, that you know will stir up that temptation. Don't underestimate the power of our enemy, Satan, to tempt us. Don't underestimate the potential for serious harm if we give in to those temptations. Remember, temptation is not a sin, it's giving in. That's sin. If we are children of God, we are born again. One thing Satan wants is to get us to doubt our identity in Christ. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. So I want to say today, no matter what our sin is, no matter what it is, God can and he will forgive even sexual sins just like he does other sins. The key here, surrender ourselves to the grace and the mercy of our great God and Savior. Let's stand together. Father, oh, tough words, a tough subject. But Lord, if we're going to be present with you, there has to be holiness in our lives. You do not tolerate sin, no matter what form it may take. And I pray today for all of those under the sound of my voice. And it may not be homosexuality, but it might be pride. 
It might be other things that we're struggling with and being tempted with. Father, we need your help to overcome those things. And Father, I pray that right now, beginning today, if we are caught up in any of these sexual sins we've talked about these past two weeks, I'm praying, God, you would give us strength and we'd run to you and ask for your cleansing and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Got a song of invitation, yes? Folks, God loves you today, but he hates sin.